So in his letters to the in, in his letter to the Colossians, Paul um, shows us that Christianity is essentially a picture of reality. We talked about that that last week. Christianity explains things where we came from, uh, how things got the way they are. It explains why things are wrong with the world, and and maybe more importantly, explains why things are wrong in here inside each one of us. What what went wrong? What happened? And then the big thing is Christianity tells us through Jesus, it tells us how through Christ, God is making things right. How God is restoring things to, way, to the way that they should be. And the men and women of Colossae, they had experienced this story in their own lives. And it wasn't, we talked about this last week, so much that they had invited Jesus into their lives, but Jesus had invited them into, into his life. And then they got to kind of watch and hear about these stories of, of this, how their lives were transformed. This gospel was going out to the farthest reaches of the Roman Empire. It was amazing to see. The gospel spread. And so these believers in Colossae, they now had a new worldview. A Christ-centered worldview. A gospel worldview. Now every person has a worldview... Everybody has a story that they trust in. It's their story of reality, the one that gives them a reason to wake up in the morning. A story that they believe is the one that has the best chance of changing things, making things better for them and for the world. Now, the fancy term for worldview is a cosmology, how you see the world. But basically, all of the worldviews that are out there, and there are many, they all have some elements in common. And I put this on your outline this morning. The first element they have in common is each of them talks about the Genesis. Each of them tells a story about the beginning of things, right? It's what worldviews do. Now, here's a pretty standard scientific take on the beginning. This is from astrophysicist, an agnostic named Dr. Robert Jastro. He says this. He says, the seed of everything that has happened in the universe was planted in the very first instant. Every star, every planet, and every living creature in the universe came into being as a result of events that were set in motion in the moment of the cosmic explosion. It was literally the moment of creation. The universe flashed into being. And we cannot find out what caused that to happen. And I agree with him. From a scientific point of view, okay, we can't access the universe before that moment. When something came out of nothing, we, we don't know what happened there. And so we are grateful for scientific inquiry that has provided so much to the world and scientific breakthroughs. But our story does give us access, the Christian story, through divine revelation. We know what happened. Our story begins in the Bible with four words. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. That's how our story starts. And if we could could rewind the clock of history back to that moment, and even that moment right before the universe exploded into being... All we would find is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, uncreated, God existing eternally. Now notice, our story doesn't start with 
Once upon a time. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's the story of the way things are. It's the true picture of reality. And notice, our story in the Bible, it doesn't start with us. Once upon a time, there was a guy named Gordon. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Barbara. It doesn't start with us. It starts with God. In the beginning, God. We are not part of the original cast. The story is not primarily about us. And we have a role to play. But God is the main character. He was, he is, and he always will be. And so worldviews, all of them begin with some origin story. Ours begins with God. And each cosmology will also talk about what went wrong. See, this is the one thing we can all agree on. Your Buddhist neighbor, your Muslim co-worker, your atheist best friend, we can all agree on one thing. This place is messed up. Okay? The world's got problems. And so each cosmology comes in, each worldview, and explains kind of how did we get where we are? What is essentially wrong with this place? So second bullet point there, each worldview presents an explanation of what went wrong. And this, in theological terms, would be the fall. But every story's got a fall account of how things got the way they are. What's wrong? The Bible tells us. The very first people were made in the image of God. They chose then to rebel against their creator, putting themselves in the center and kicking God out of the center of the story. And the results were devastating for Adam and Eve and all of their descendants that were to come. That would be us. Sin, rebellion against God, sin is, it's the disease it's what's, it's what's wrong with the world. Now, every worldview has a story to tell about how to fix the mess. Has a redemption story. So that's the next bullet point there about worldviews. Um, each offers a solution, their version of what needs to be done to address what's wrong. This would be the redemption part of the story. You know, the world is messed up. If we could just dot, 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 whatever comes next for you is your redemption story, how your world te view tells you the world should be fixed or could be fixed. You know, if we would just elect the right men and women to public office, the world, if we could just end corruption in government, if we would just give more money or be more generous with the poor, if we would just fund education more fully, if we would just spread democracy, spread socialism, spread communism, spread whatever-ism, if we would just face Mecca five times a day and pray or insert whatever set of religious practices you believe makes the world a better place, if we would just do this, that's the answer to the redemption uh, story. That's the, to the redemption question in your worldview, how you answer that question. Now, our worldview is quite dis different, remarkably different, I would say, um, because our worldview says God, the creator of the world, personally entered into his creation in this, in this Middle Eastern village called Bethlehem. 
And he lived a life among us, showing us a better way and ultimately dying for each and every person on the cross so that they could, could have a restored relationship with God. Their sins could be forgiven. That's what the Christian worldview says. Very unique in that. Now, the final thing here would be each worldview presents a vision of what the world would be like once the fix takes place. Once that solution is implemented, imagining this new reality, and this would be called the restoration. Okay? For Christianity, there is a new world on the horizon. It has even begun to emerge through Jesus Christ where death and decay have been banished, where things are set right, where the God who created all things will reign with his saints throughout eternity. Every worldview has a story of what the world will look like once the problems are solved. So every individual has some story through which they make sense of the world around them. It tells them why they're here. It tells them what they're doing. It tells them what they need to be doing and what things could be like if everyone would just get in line. A philosopher from Canada named James K.A. Smith puts it this way, to be human, to be human is to be for something, okay? Directed toward something, oriented toward something. To be human is to be on the move, pursuing something, after something. He says we are not just static containers for ideas, We are dynamic creatures directed toward some end. And everybody the world over has this sense. We're directed to something. We're here for a reason. And this morning, Paul in Colossians chapter 1, he is going to provide us with some load-bearing truths that will help us cope, more than cope, with whatever the world throws at us along the way. So let's get into Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. By the way, this is from the message, uh, so it'll sound maybe a little different from whatever Bible you brought this morning. Paul says, Be assured that from the day we first heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to His will. And so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works... We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. And I love this part. God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He's set us up in the kingdom of the Son he loves so much, the Son who got us Out of the pit we were in. Got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. 
Hallelujah. Amen. You see, not every way of seeing things can be the right way of seeing things. Paul tells us, you guys, a lot of you, you were in all kinds of dead-end alleys. You were pursuing stories that didn't go anywhere. Futile stories. Like, it is not the case that all of the worldviews, that all of the religions can be equally valid, can be equally on target. They just can't all be true. Either Jesus was crucified historically, was crucified by the Romans, or he wasn't. Either Jesus on the third day raised from death to life, or he didn't. Either Jesus died for your sins, or he did not die for your sins. Driving around town, I'm sure you've seen this. I see these bumper stickers almost every week, but the, the coexist bumper sticker, right? You know, these images of all of the major world religions and this idea just coexist. Now, if the sentiment of this is we should all get along, amen, right? I mean, our Lord Jesus taught us to love all people. Love your enemies, Jesus taught us. That includes everybody. But if the sentiment is that the basic tenets of these faiths are all equal, they're all right, they're all true, then that bumper sticker is silly. It's just a joke. I mean, Jesus once said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A few people come to the Father? Other religious groups come to the... No, no one... That's a very exclusive statement, right? I don't think Jesus said this because he was a religious bigot. <laughs> I don't think Jesus said this because he was trying to, trying to give his new religion he was founding a little push to get it ahead of the other competitors. I think Jesus said this because Jesus knew. Jesus knew he was God in the flesh. Jesus knew he would offer his perfect life as a sacrifice for all people. Jesus knew that only through the forgiveness that he would pour out on the cross could people be saved. Jesus knew that only through him could God's spirit be given to people. Jesus knew that only through him could people be rescued. Because of Jesus... Paul is going to tell the Colossians, we are not working for our salvation. We are working from our salvation. Jesus purchased our salvation. That's the good news. That's the separator. Because of Jesus, we know the truth. We are not saved by grit. We are saved by grace. Back to our text, and this is kind of the foundation for this first 
load-bearing truth. Verses 13 and 14, Paul says this, God rescued us from the dead-end alleys, from the dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son he loved so much, who got us out of the pit we were in, who got rid of our sins. We were doomed to keep repeating. So here it goes. My rescue has been accomplished. Remember Jesus' declaration on the cross? It is finished. The work is done. And this is very unique about our story, that the rescue has happened in history. It's done. Humanity is broken. Everyone knows it. We're all in the pit together. And every religion around the world says, okay, all right, the world is broken, so do this, do that, do these five things. Christianity doesn't say do. It says done. The work was accomplished. Christianity says you can't climb out of that pit on your own. Jesus lowered himself into the pit. Jesus came into this world to pull us out to safety. And by God's grace, we have been rescued. Jesus did what we couldn't do for ourselves. The greatest problem that you will ever have in your life has already been addressed. The load-bearing truth of our rescue, it infuses us with energy and life and joy because no matter what, my greatest enemy has been defeated. Jesus rescued me. Now, here's the second one. The second load-bearing truth is there is only one that I live to please. There is only one that I live to please. Paul puts it this way. He says, we pray that you live well for the master, making him proud of your hard work. Now, this is good news for me. I don't know about you, but if you are a people pleaser, if you're, the kind of, if you're always trying to make everybody around you happy, make everyone around you proud, make everyone around you check the box that you're a great person, admire you, then you are going to have two constant realities in your daily existence. You are going to feel pressure and you are going to feel pain. Right? You are going to feel pressure because you have got to get this person or this group or these people around you to like you and approve of you. And there is a lot of stress in that. And inevitably, along with the stress, you will feel pain. Because you will fail at pleasing those people around you. You will fail. Jesus, the most loving, amazing, wonderful person... To ever walk the face of the planet, he failed at pleasing all of the people around him. And guess what? That was okay with Jesus. Because he wasn't interested in pleasing all of the people around him. He performed for an audience of one. God alone was the one he lived to please. And oh, how that took the pressure off especially when you understand the standing that you have with the Father because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, how he loves you, how he treasures you, how he has given you by faith the righteousness of Christ. Third thing here. I belong to a bigger and better kingdom 
I belong to a bigger and better kingdom. Paul says this to the Colossians. He says, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He did the lifting there, right? He did that. He transferred us. You did not transfer yourself, right? Two words, I think, describe the most popular worldview these days. And you may not have heard it put like this, but I think you'll get the idea. Two words describe the most popular cosmology going these days. Personal monarchy. You are the king. (laughs) You are the queen. It is all about your happiness. It is all about your satisfaction and fulfillment. The world owes you and needs to cooperate to help you achieve everything. Make your dreams come true. It puts you at the center of your story. You are the star of your life. Adam and Eve, by the way, tried this, right? This is where everything started going haywire for the universe. They said, God, we want to take our turn at being God. And so they kicked him off the throne. And they took over as monarchs of their own lives. And believe it or not, this is the best news right here. Because ultimately, when you decide to step off the throne and surrender to King Jesus, you become part of a much bigger, much better story. Finally, I have a new inexhaustible power supply. You have resources through Christ that no one else has. I have a new inexhaustible power supply. Paul says this in verse 11. He says, we pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. In other words, you will be able to hold up with whatever life gives you, whatever hand you are dealt. God's got more than enough for you. Everything you need, you have in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, he tells the Ephesians, every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. There's a renowned poet and author, Dorothy Sayers, uh, and she created a world in her detective novels. And the star of those novels was this fictional character, Lord Peter Wimsley, who went around solving crimes and stuff like that. And about halfway through a series of these, these detective novels, she suddenly wrote a new character into the stories, a character named Harriet Vane. Um, and she wrote Harriet Vane in the story because Lord Whimsy, he did all this cool stuff, but he was alone and he was just kind of broken. She needed this other character, Harriet Vane. And so in the books, Harriet, who arrives in the story, she is a mystery writer. And she is also, in the stories, she's, it's said that she is one of the first women to graduate from Oxford University. So these books were written decades back, okay? And of course, Harriet 
and Lord, Lord Whimsy, they fall in love. But interestingly, Dorothy Sayers herself was a mystery writer. And Dorothy Sayers herself was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford University. And so this character, Harriet Vane's really what, Harriet Vane, really what was happening is Dorothy Sayers was writing herself into the story. That's what she was doing. She had looked at this world that she had created. And she fell in love with this character that she had created. And she wrote herself into the story so she could make him whole. So she could deliver him. And that's our story. That's the gospel story, really. That's the true story of the universe. That our God created the world, created, created us. He saw our need, and with great love in his heart, he wrote himself into our story. He was born into our world. And he has rescued us. And this morning, you may just need some prayers about stuff going on in your life. I'd love to pray with you, or one of our shepherds would love to pray with you. Uh, you could just pray with somebody that's sitting around you right now about whatever it is that's going on in your life. Or you could decide to become part of this story. Accept the true story. Accept the bigger story, the better story. Say yes to Jesus. Make him your Lord and Savior and be baptized into the gospel. You could do that this morning. However you need to respond to God, do that as we stand together in worship.